How's it going, everybody? This is Whosoever Will. I'm Forrest. I'm Hunter. And we're here to tackle the tough questions. One take at a time. And for our episode today, we have our first guest on. This man that's here with us today is our pastor, and he's been our pastor our whole lives. Uh, he's, he's led us in many directions, and he's guided us, and uh, done a, a fantastic job as a pastor, and uh, set the role for me, uh, along with many other men in my life, on uh, what we are to do as men ourselves. And that man, and that man today that we have with us is Rick Atkins. Thank you, Hunter. It's good to be with you and Force today on the Just Whosoever Will podcast, and it's a great honor. I understand I'm your very first guest, and and I appreciate uh, I appreciate that, and to be able to be a part of it. All right, we thank you for coming. Uh, so the first question that, that we want to ask you, uh, as we go through this time in our lives, uh, we're, we're young adults, we're more aware of things than when we were younger, but we, don't, we also don't have the life experience of you know, someone, someone like you. So what are some differences that you see in the time that we live in now, in the culture, that from what? you were living in? Our culture has definitely changed in a, in a large way. Uh, more so, I think, in the last decade, probably, but but I've been in the ministry now for 42 years, so I've definitely seen a lot of changes in the culture. And I think, really, the biggest change that I've seen is the breakdown of the family. And as a family has been under attack and has the nuclear families it's almost a thing in the past mm-hmm. and so young people they don't have the direction that they had mm-hmm. when I was your age it, you know have mom and dad at home and uh, had great schools and church and and the focus of your life was to was to be a productive person in society and, and to do mm-hmm. what was right and, and we were taught that instructed by Godly parents and mentors in the faith, and and so I, I believe the breakdown of the the nuclear family has probably affected our culture more than anything else. And of course, you know, Satan's not going to take a leave of absence, mm-hmm. so he's definitely working overtime trying to influence young people today. And but the society has taken a tremendous shift in my lifetime, particularly in my ministry, away from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something I've seen over mm-hmm. over my lifetime. Uh, just as I've I've gotten a little older, and mainly in my high school years, how things had really shifted. Um, it may also be because I was younger and I was more focused on just what happened within sure. my family, my church, and we. Well, when I was growing up, we didn't have like super good smartphones, which you could just see everything <laughs> that's happening at one time. I didn't see the things that were happening in Washington and Oregon. No. I didn't see um, everything that was happening in New York. Right, right. It, yeah, it didn't really matter. Um, it was just what was happening in Tennessee. And I, st- I still like that. Um, there are things that we do need to be aware of, but I do miss the, the, the inclusion of being in the family. And I grew up with the, you know, the nuclear family yes, that you're talking yeah. about, a mother and father. You know, a couple kids, and I grew up in a in a godly household, and 
where he was the the center of, of everything, and it's really affected my life and how I've grown up and how I want to uh, for my life to be. And Forrest, you got anything on that? Yeah, I've noticed the same thing. Being in school, you always notice that the families are different within people you know. Like I mean, growing up, so many of my friends or people I knew. You know, their parents were either divorced or, uh, you know, I mean, just stuff like that. Or they, they, didn't, they didn't go to church was another one, you know. And there's a lot of different things you notice that you realize you're blessed mm-hmm. that, you know, that you have both parents still together or that you, you know, you go to church on a regular basis because there's a lot of people that don't have that, you know. And you, it, yeah. it's funny how, or not, I don't mean funny, it's amazing how it changes over the years, how like you're in junior high not as noticeable and you get in high school it's more noticeable Mm -hmm. and now that we're in college it's obvious all over the place Mm -hmm. and it's a sad time and um, just like you said um, that when you were younger Pastor Rick um, that it wasn't that as bad it was more um, I guess the word I'm saying sparing because families Mm -hmm. were more together the family was more important than it is now to people Mm -hmm. and I guess that, that I mean that is one of the biggest reasons that our country's in such a bad shape as they've took an emphasis away from the family and put it on more worldly things that mm-hmm. shouldn't be on. The world's too busy today, too. Hunter mentioned the smartphones. Now the entire world is your backyard. Mm-hmm. And when I was a youngster, you know, we had three channels on the TV, 3, 9, and 12. If you were lucky, you might pick up channel 6. Now, you know, just with that small smartphone, you know, it's a computer and it's Gives you access to online. Technology is good. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound like that I'm against technology because it, if you use properly and in a godly way, it's a good thing. For mm-hmm. example, Facebook Live, this 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 uh, podcast, mm-hmm. you know, and it's used to, for good things. But with the technology and with all the things that we have now that we didn't have when I was your age, comes a lot more distractions. Yeah, and Folks are, you know, we're just bombarded with things that we never saw, never heard. Mm-hmm. And uh, the influence from from the media and from Hollywood, it's, it, and it's not good influence either. No. But when, when, when I was a youngster, the things we did for entertainment was much different than it is now. Mm-hmm. For the most part, to hang out with our friends, that was at church. Mm-hmm. And we always look forward to the summertime, spring, summer, and fall for the revivals. Because mm-hmm. you just go from one revival to the next and, and you know, got to see people. And, and, you know, our life was more oriented around godly things then. And we're not nearly as many distractions. And so, I mean, that's just by design. The prince of this world has designed this world to, to take our eyes off Jesus mm-hmm. and off of the things that matter. And our culture is, is suffering for it. And, and, and our young people today, and, and I love you guys and appreciate so much what you stand for. And, and uh, I've known both of you your entire life. I was there the day you were born and Hunter. And, of course, I was there when Forrest was born. <laughs> I still remember your grandfather, Vern, coming down the hallway of the hospital. And... Uh, I was standing there and he was walking down the hallway and I looked up and he looked at me and he started shouting and praising mm-hmm. the Lord because his grandson was born. And so I really appreciate the stand that you guys take and the other young people in our church. But young people today are misguided mm-hmm. and they're confused 
because there is so so much in their lives that are not good. I mean, mm-hmm. we're we're a humanistic society now. We're a secular society now. And uh, when I was growing up, focus still even then was still more of a godly culture than it is today being a secular mm-hmm. culture. And it is a secular society, but I still I still am happy to proclaim and believe that the United States of America was founded on Christian mm-hmm. principles to be a Christian nation. And that's what I see in you guys that in your lives you're you're carrying that forward and I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um, back to what you were saying on the distraction. Uh, recently, I saw a picture, two pictures that were that were compared side by side. It was a picture of a street in New York City. One of them was, I think it was two thousand four, two thousand three, and then the other picture was last year. And the, you notice in the picture from the two thousand three or two thousand four, everybody was looking up, watching where they were going. Talk, you could see them talking to people. You could see them looking at the shops and stuff yeah. on the side and the other picture I think I might have counted like three people that were looking up everybody else was looking straight down mm-hmm. and there there are things now uh, there's an app I forgot what it's called where you can download and I'm not sure if it's ready yet it's called augmented reality is, is what it is and what it does is as you're walking through a town like that you can see the shops and the ratings of it and what they have to, on their menus as you walk through. Um, and it's just a complete distraction. I, I don't think there's any easier way for people to be distracted than through smartphones. And it's it's a genius move. I mean, it is. Because they're so helpful. They can be very, very helpful. But they can also be extremely, extremely bad. You can find a lot of very bad things oh, at the yes. click of a button mm-hmm. and how accessible they are. And so, and that's another thing that has actually, I think society is also changing at a much faster rate. It is. Than it used to. Yeah. From the media and uh, the the smartphones, things are shifting at a a pace now, you know. Um, I'd also heard in one of my classes this semester where my professor, he's a digital media professor, and he said several years ago, they were talking about the things that, electronic that are developed in a year by the next year they're obsolete Obsolete. he said now that's probably closer to three or four months the things are being developed they're obsolete they're useless now um so we move on to the next question and we're going to go a little uh closer to home on this one zooming in a little bit what are some differences in the church that you see from when you pastored several years ago till now? Well, there's, there's again, there's a lot of differences. And, and of course, one of, one of the things is the technology. Mm-hmm. When, when I first started pastoring churches, the, we didn't have sound systems. Some of the churches I preached in didn't have bathrooms mm-hmm. and uh, didn't have heat, air conditioning. But, uh, you know, churches now, they're very nice. Mm-hmm. And, Got all the modern conveniences that you can imagine to make a person comfortable. And with that, with that, we've grown comfortable spiritually as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think churches have been influenced a lot by, by our culture. Uh, maybe not a lot, but some. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we live in the 
we live in a drive-through society. Mm -hmm. Everything's got to be really quick and really convenient and really easy and with very little sacrifice. So when I started preaching, it's been almost 43 years ago, it was a little different. Mm -hmm. It, uh, But in I'd have to say that some things were harder, but a lot of things were easier too. Mm -hmm. Because people were, uh, the people that you ministered to and ministered with, uh, they, uh, they spent more time, seemed like, in, you know, with their personal devotion to God. And it, and it as a result, you know, it, it, it was in their church life. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were more serious. People were more serious about their faith. And I, I, I'm, not not all. I mean, there's a lot of people today that are extremely serious about their faith, completely sold out. But in general terms, churches are not as serious today as they were then. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I see exactly what you mean. There there are a lot of church members today, and uh, this is just churches as a whole. I'm not singling out a single church anywhere, but it's uh, as the phrase carnal. It's very carnal. Where people, warm. Yeah. Uh, like we, we said in our, our last episode, mm -hmm. talking about the church of Laodicea. Yeah. Um, people are very lukewarm. And in that position, when you're in that moment, it does seem very easy because it's the path of the least resistance. It is. And when you're a lukewarm Christian, you can sometimes evade those, those tough questions or those conversations or... Um, the ridicule of being a sold-out Christian, and you can dodge those because then, well, I'm just you know, I'm a Christian just because, mm -hmm. and that's when you get into things of you're a Christian because your parents were, and it's not necessarily what what you are. You know, you you don't have that experience of being saved, or you don't have the conviction on your life and the Holy Spirit touching you in those ways, and when when you're lazy as a Christian, then you get in those situations of being comfortable. That's like our last episode. That's where we talked all about it. And, and it's a very dangerous place to be. Um, Forrest, you got anything? Uh, yeah, I was thinking when you were saying that, that uh, talking about the last generation before you, your dad and stuff, um, went through the Great Depression and World War Two. Your grandfather. Yes. Um, over stuff like that, a lot of stuff like that. And I feel like that compares back to the children of Israel. You know, you look back and see how they would be on and off with the Lord. One mm -hmm. week or one time they would be with True. following the Lord, following the Lord, and then they'd go through a tough time. And that Lord would put them through that tough time so they would come back. And then mm -hmm. once they got used to it and comfortable, as we said in the last episode, they would start falling out. And then the Lord would have to bring them low to bring them back. And I feel like, you know, with the Depression and stuff, that's some of the strongest men of God there's ever been after the hardest things that we can remember. And they were strong. And I feel like we've started getting more comfortable in today's time. Mm -hmm. And this COVID stuff might be what God's wanting us to fall down at and say, you know, it's time to come back to me. Absolutely. It's time, you know, to quit being comfortable and time to, you know, get back mm -hmm. into battle. The church has experienced revival many times out of tragedy. And before the Revolutionary War, there was a great awakening. Then after the Civil War, there was a, a great awakening. 
and it's my prayer now that through, you know, the the time that we're living in now with the COVID nineteen, and I mean it's changed everything. It's mm -hmm. changed every part of our lives and the way we worship, the way we minister, the way we go to school, and and uh, not one person is not been affected by it. Everybody's been affected by it. And it's my prayer that out of that, out of that chaos of COVID, that we might see another awakening. And mm -hmm. I believe we can. And I believe God's raising a generation out, out of out of out of your generation. I believe God's raising a generation of great warriors to be a part of that that awakening in this nation. Now, I believe we're living near the end. And uh, there's a book Dickens wrote, The Tale of Two Cities, and in that mm -hmm. book he, he began by the, it's the best of times and it's the worst of times. Mm -hmm. And I sincerely believe that we're in the latter days that Paul warned Timothy about where perilous times would come. But when you study the scriptures, you have to come to the conclusion that that's going to be the worst of times. But it's also going to be the best of times too, mm -hmm. because his spirit's going to really move, and mm -hmm. people are going to come to. I believe there's going to be a revival, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm praying that that COVID might be the catalyst for that revival. Mm -hmm. I think it um, may also the the COVID, uh, the whole ordeal. I think it may also be an avenue for like Christ's parable of the wheats and the tares. Um, I think there can be. Uh, a, a very um, efficient method of weeding out um, the Christians who are not truly Christians and those aren't who aren't sold out. Um, I know personally there are times when I, I you know, I've not been the, the the Christian that I need to be, but there there's a there's a chastisement for that, and and God shows you, hey, you know, yes, you need to be where I'm telling you to be. And I think that COVID can be um, an avenue for um, that discernment between the wheats and the tares because it's really easy during COVID to sit at home and watch, you know, watch the services. But when COVID is over or when we're able to move on past it, are you going to come to church? You know, because that, that's we're called I to sure be. So. We're called to be. With each other, and it's not necessarily the church house that you know we're talking about. We're talking about being with the church and the people of God, and that's how we grow, and uh, that's our energizer for the week to get us through. You know, living, having to live in the world, and you know, be Christians. It, it's not, it's not the always the most fun thing to do during the week. There are times when it's hard, or times where you know something rough has happened in your life and then you come and spend time with your church family who loves on you and supports you and lifts you up and this may be a time where the wheats and the tares are identified and those who aren't truly of Christ aren't as compelled to go to church because it was easier just to watch it online or it's just easier to sit at home now convenient mm -hmm. and that, that back to our culture mm -hmm. our culture is all about convenience and you said it said it earlier it's all about the drive through um, there's one guy, uh, he made a joke about a drive through church during this thing. And he set it up as like a drive through restaurant. And people would come through and he's like, you want this pastor, this pastor, this pastor, you preach your message. Uh, he's like, if you want one a little harder, you'll go with this guy. You want one that's you know, real easy, you'll go with this guy. And then he, you could pick your music and stuff. And I really feel, even though it was a joke and it was funny, 
there's some truth in that. And you can, it's not as much about being in a church family anymore as it is listening to your favorite pastor or your favorite, you know, they've become celebrities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that leads into our next question. What are some different styles of preaching that that you've uh, seen or how it's changed over time? Well, goodness, uh, the preachers that that mentored me, helped me along the way, they, they were just great, great men of God. And they all had a characteristic about them that was the same. And uh, it was this, they were powerful men of prayer. Mm-hmm. They really believed in prayer. And they also, they, they taught, uh, and I, I've preached it here to you guys your whole life, they believed and they lived out in their life that ministry that costs nothing accomplishes mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. So they were willing to sacrifice whatever mm-hmm. and uh, to to preach. And a lot of them, a lot of the earlier ones that I can go back to, my, my grandfather's the first, I guess, my grandfather and my dad, of course, were the first preachers that, that had a direct influence on my life. And I would sit and talk to my grandfather. He was, he was up in years when I was a young boy. But he started preaching in, uh, I believe it was 1902, along in there. And he, he, he could reach back in his life that people that he ministered to and some of the, people, the funerals that he preached and even some people that he led to Christ that actually fought in the Civil War. So that goes a long ways back. And uh, so I, I would listen to his stories of how they worshipped and and you know of course back in those days with no electricity mm-hmm. and it was in just like the church that was here the original church that here set across the road there was no log church but uh, not having the conveniences didn't matter to them that, I mean mm-hmm. of course they weren't accustomed to it anyway what they wanted more than anything else in a church service they wanted the power of the Holy Spirit to come in mm-hmm and they would preach with such conviction. <laughs> you couldn't sit in under their preaching, but what, you know, God would deal with your heart. You know, mm-hmm. He would convict you and and uh, and He'd shine His light in your heart. And, and I mean, they had so much power and just every time they preached, you, you felt like you needed to get up go the altar mm-hmm. and make things right. Your great-grandfather, uh, Preacher James Patton, is another one that I, I, I remember I had so, so much respect for. And he had a, a way about him. He couldn't even read mm-hmm. when God called him to preach. But God called him, God equipped him, and he preached with such conviction and power. But more than that, they preached with love. Mm-hmm. And they, they wanted people to get saved. I mean, they preached Jesus. They, they, uh, they were determined that their calling was to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Mm-hmm. No emphasis on on if, if you know if you serve God you're going to have this and you're going to have that. Mm-hmm. It was you know come to the cross, yeah. come have your sins forgiven, come be saved. They were just men of prayer, great conviction, power, immense power, immense power. Uh, and that's totally different. What you just described is totally different from mainstream. Christianity and in the mainstream churches that that are very popular today. If you listen to one of their sermons or 
or one of those uh, celebrity pastors. That's what I call them because they are celebrities. They're very, very well known. Their churches have hundreds of thousands of people that attend, and I don't know how many more. And you know, online because they do that stuff too, where they'll they'll post on Facebook, Instagram, and all those places. When you listen to one of theirs, it's not always Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and that that's it. They don't. They're what these men that that you described. They didn't depend on a show to bring people mm-hmm. in. They didn't depend on electronics and cool designs to bring people in. They didn't design or they didn't plan on people coming because uh, how wonderful speakers they were. They depended on God and His mm-hmm. Holy Spirit yeah, convicting people, and that draws people in, and that draws the right people in, the people that God wants to be there. Sure. And these churches that, you know, the mainstream now, they depend on all their electronics and their their cool their cool things that they do and all their activities, and they depend on their well. If you do this, you're going to have this good happen in your life, or uh, it, it's all about you. And if and if you're cool, then then God will like you because He's cool. Mm-hmm. And there is no conviction in what they say. Mm-hmm. It's all about you know your self esteem. And that's one thing, self-esteem is one thing that I think really draws people away. Because when you start thinking about, you know, how good you are, it takes away from everything about the cross. Absolutely. And there were, if we have what we need already in us, what's the reason for the cross? What's the reason for Jesus Christ dying for our sins? There is none. Right. So the whole thing about you being good and you being cool, those are lies. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of us as Christians, with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, as one of the gifts that we're given, the gift Amen. of discernment. And we need to be able to see those. And it's not always just seeing it first off. And, you know, these men are very, very slick in what they say. And you, you have to be adept in the Word. And, and if you don't know something, look it up. And, I, and anybody who sits under me or what we say here, or I know you've, you as well. If you are worried about what I'm saying, and I want you to follow along, or I want you to search and sure. see what I'm saying in the Word and see if it matches up. If it doesn't, you can you can say something to one of us, and we'll be glad to listen. But these these men that are up and they're preaching, and they're very very good speakers. I'm not doubting that one bit. They have talents as speakers, but that's not always necessarily God given talent. Some people are born to be able to speak very well. And it's something you just really have to watch out for. And these men that uh, Rick's talked about today, I mean, they were God's messengers. Absolutely. And there's no doubting that. And and their effects are seen with God through them. And then they just allowed themselves to be vessels. It didn't matter what their name brought to them. It didn't matter their reputation on this earth. All that mattered was that they were doing what God has called them to do. Mm-hmm. And going back to what you're talking about, how good of speakers they are. I mean, look at Moses. Mm-hmm. You know, he said he he stuttered. You know, yeah. he wasn't a good speaker, no. but he was Moses, though. Yeah. I mean, all the miracle, the miracles that God performed through him. He led the children of Israel out of Egypt. You know, I mean, he parted the Red Sea. He done. A, he helped write the Ten Commandments through God. You know, so I mean. There is a lot of stuff that Moses did, but he wasn't that good of a speaker. And there's yeah. a lot of examples of stuff like that throughout the Bible. People that weren't 
what you would say a prime example of being yeah. somebody that God would use. That's who he uses because he's not trying to show, you know, their power. He's trying to show his power, show what yeah. he can do through a person that you would say, oh, you know, they they couldn't do that, you know. And uh, so that just goes back to the big mega churches today. You know, there's some out there that are good, you know. There are a decent mm-hmm. amount of big churches that, you know, that are have great preachers, you know, that— me and my dad listened to have listened to over the years, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of false prophets out there, and I think one thing that really shows out and shows that there are, if you look into it, uh, the, the opportunities that the preachers have nowadays. They have huge churches. They have all the technology in the world. They're on TV. They're on the radio. They're on podcasts. They're on everything. They've got all these opportunities. They've got more money than the old churches had, mm-hmm. you know. They they've changed the dress code, you know. Now they wear blue jeans and stuff up in the yeah. uh, up in the pulpit, you know. And they just do all kinds of different stuff. You know, the Bible isn't necessarily on the Bible anymore; it's on a phone or whatever. So times have changed. But it seems like when I was younger, that when we had revivals, it was like every year there was almost sixteen people or more in a week that got saved. We always seemed like there was a more of a movement then than there is now. And that just really raises questions, you know, that there's so many. And I'm not saying there isn't people that are getting led to the Lord, because there are. But I'm just saying it seems like there are there were so many more people that were moving to the Lord. It was more of a Jesus movement back in your day and in between then than there is now. Yep. And that's a question of why, you know. You had all the stuff that those preachers had now. And you go back um, to my grandfather and stuff, and just small log churches, like you said, with— you know, they didn't have cushion pews, and they oh. didn't have air conditioner or heat. You know, they didn't have bathroom, indoor bathrooms. But it just seemed like people were more on fire for the Lord, and there were more people led to the Lord than there is now when we have all the conveniences that we have at a church. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, there, there's a condition of there's a lot more contentment than there is conviction. And, that, uh, I mean, like we've said this entire episode, and, I think the Lord's just been leading us back to it. Is just the the ability to be comfortable in everything that we do, and that's the society that we've been brought up brought up in. And it, it's a blessing to not have just a constant beatdown of the Christian religion here, sure. or you know, just hardships that we would face in other countries. But if you you know look at the Church of China, it's growing in, yeah. insanely. Nigeria, yeah, and, and all these countries where. You'll die, you know. You'll be put in jail. You'll be hurt. You'll be tortured. Sure. But people are coming to Christ way more than they are here. Where it's the easy. It doesn't cost you anything. You know, churches always flourished in the persecution. Mm-hmm. And the early church, they, you know, if there was ever a time when the church could have been snuffed out, or seemed like it could have been snuffed out, it would have been then when it was young. But the more that uh, they were persecuted. The, the faster they grew, you know, they run them out of one city, they go to another city, and they preach Jesus. People get saved, church will multiply. Mm-hmm. And they get persecuted there, they run to another city, they preach Jesus, people get saved, and it's come multiplying and multiplying. The church is always, I mean, even even in modern times, has always done better mm-hmm. as far as uh, leading people to Christ and when they were persecuted than when they were prosperous. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we do get at ease in Zion, you mm-hmm. know, and and, uh, and when that happens, then we're not nearly as uh, eager to to depend on God as when we're yeah. facing persecution. I mean, you know, 
we get the attitude like we don't need it. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's a bad place to be. And um, as a golfer, I feel like I've got a lot of metaphors that I've used on mm-hmm. here from that. But um, you're talking about persecution and hardships, you know. You know, there's an old saying, you know, they talk about playing from the rough. And what that means is, you know, the fairway is the nice grass in the middle that you want to be in. It's easier to play from. Everything's better. But you get in the rough, it gets harder, you know, you don't get what we call spin out of it, and then it gets deeper, there's woods, there's water, there's no telling what you can get into, you know. And golfers that over the years that go to those nice country clubs and stuff and just play from the fairway, and they learn to hit the fairways, you know. Mm-hmm. When they get off in the rough, they have they struggle because they haven't been there. And you go back to the greatest golfer to ever live, and I'm willing to say that, but uh, Tiger Woods. He, growing up as a kid, would throw his ball in the woods to play from there. So he said, whenever I get there... I want to be ready for it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's how God does in our spiritual life. You know, you're not always in the fairway. You know, you're going to be in the rough. You're going to be in the woods. There's no telling what's going to happen along the journey that God has for you. So He conditions you. He'll make you play from the rough. He'll make you play from out there. That way, when you're out on a mission trip, you're preaching or whatever, and something comes up, you're used to the, the hardships, and you're used to it, and you're mm-hmm. ready for it. And I feel like God just prepares you, and that's what those preachers have to go through. They go through a lot of hardships, you know, persecution in other countries and stuff. But God conditions them. You know, He doesn't always make us play from the fairway, but He allows us to learn mm-hmm. and helps us. Um, I'm telling you what, I don't want to interrupt. Uh, you no, know, that was great. But force is just like a tiger waiting there for the metaphors. Every <laughs> episode, what... every episode, we just wait there. He's got something brewing right there. Yeah, I got those metaphors ready. Three or four times an episode. <laughs> They're always you. ready. <laughs> I love it. It takes some pressure off me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, they, 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 I often heard it said when I was growing up is, is you don't know that uh, God is all you need until God is all you have. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think we just have too much now. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, all the bills are paid, and we've got the luxuries, and and churches. When when I was growing up, they just, you know, the, they they didn't have all the things that we have now. Mm-hmm. But they had they had what really mattered, and, and churches do today too. I, you know, I don't want to beat up on the modern church, but but uh, we are in an indifferent society. Absolutely, churches have grown in different too, and, and the Bible told us it would happen. You know, because uh, of the mm-hmm. times that we're in, people would. The Bible said that that you know the love for many would grow wax cold, mm-hmm. and it's happening. And uh, the last episode about being lukewarm, and uh, but I, you know, we're we're well positioned right now mm-hmm. for a change, mm-hmm. and I believe I'm sensing a hunger amongst a lot of people. Mm-hmm. For something different, yeah, something that's real, but you know, it's uh, it's going to take uh, all of us are going to have to get to the place where uh, God's all we need. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say that, and when we start wrapping up, some there's something that as Christians, and uh, something that God's really put on my heart just now to to present to you. Uh, that's something that we need to be very, very aware of as we move forward in this new presidency. There's no telling. It's, it's all in God's plan. But he's told us to hide his words in our heart Absolutely. because there may be a time when we don't have the ability to have five or six Bibles in our home. We don't have the ability to come meet in a church. 
with our with our brothers and sisters in a public place. We may have to start doing that on private terms and start hiding ourselves. And there will always need to be prepared for that. And that's something that as we've grown comfortable, it can be more scarce for people who are actually ready for that. And it's something that, that we need to be really honestly and earnestly prepared for. And you do that by doing as, as we need to do, communicating with God, praying and studying Amen. and meditating and just making it a daily habit to do. And as I've gotten older and I've grown and, and you know, God's called me to preach, uh, I, there are times when I'm not even you know, reading His Word but after I've read his word, verses come into my mind, sure. and I'll be going through my day, and something will come up, and, and a verse will come, and I'll meditate on it, and, you know, and just whatever I'm doing, maybe I'm driving, sure. taking a shower, uh, you know, doing something, and all that while I'm thinking, I'm praying, I'm talking to God, and there will be a time come. Eventually, I'm, you know, obviously we can't tell when that is exactly. We can't give a date. But there will be a time where it will be hard to be a Christian. I agree. I agree. Boris, you got anything on that? Yeah. Um, not just on that topic. Kind of, it kind of stems off of it. But I was mm-hmm. thinking about how amazing it is that God conveys stuff to us in the way He wants yeah. us to get it. And He uses so many factors that just lead to it, you know, that you would like, you just, you get stuff that happened in your life. And you're like, you know, you don't think nothing about it. Then later on, you're like, wow, this led to this. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't believe that. And the one thing I was thinking about is, you know, we're in the process of building the new church, and it's exciting. It's coming up. And uh, in the process, we took the pews out of our church, mm-hmm. and we're getting them re and took the pulpit and everything out, and we're using, I guess, what you call our backup stuff yeah. for right now. Yeah. Um, we got our backup players in there. And uh, <laughs> you look at the altar, the altar changed. We've got a different altar up there. Mm-hmm. And it says something different on it, but it says the whosoever will on mm-hmm. it. You whosoever know? will come. Yeah. Instead of the this doing remembrance of Right. Mm-hmm. And you read that and God put it on your heart to name this podcast Whosoever Will. Yeah. And, you know, without us building the church and getting the pews taken out, reupholstering them and changing altars, you might not have ever seen that. And I've actually never seen that altar in my entire life. I don't know where it came from. No, I don't either, honestly. I don't really. I think it I was, it was, it was the one in the with, old youth with, room. With, before we got all the new stuff in the church with the new pulpit and yeah. things. Those were the old, those were old right. pulpit and altar and stuff, but I don't know where it came from. I think it was the one in the old youth room Kevin used to use in the corner. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah, think yeah that it. might be. Yeah. It's funny. I was in youth the whole time and never noticed Never noticed <laughs> it until... But now you notice it, and we name the podcast after it. So it's just amazing that God allowed all that stuff to happen that, you know, seemed like it was for a different purpose. You know, oh, we're getting prepared for the new church, or oh, we're, you know. But all along, God had another plan on the side to, hey, we're going to put this up here because I want you to name this podcast, whosoever will. And it led to that. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been talking about change, how things have changed. And I know we're probably getting close to the end, but uh, methods change. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the methods in churches have changed to what they were when I started, but the message never changes. Mm-hmm. And society changes, but the Bible says, "I am the Lord God, and I change not." Mm-hmm. So He's the same God, and He's not changed. His message not the message has not changed. The methods may have, 
But ultimately, no matter what society, no matter what age, no matter what method, mm-hmm. as long as the message is at the forefront, then God takes that message and works yep. mightily in every generation. Where we'll not return void. That's right. I'm convinced he's going to work mightily in, mm-hmm. in your and Forrest and Bryant's generation. I'm convinced of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, back to what Forrest was saying, too, you know, and how the Lord conveys, if you're searching for it, he'll do that every minute of your life where he'll show you something. As long as you're looking for it, he will, he will, he will provide something to you to feed you in that time, because that, that's how we—that's how we grow. We feed our souls, and he does that through his word, and that's his main motive for speaking to us. A lot of, I've heard a lot of, again, these mainstream pastors and preachers say things. You know, God's speaking me to do this and speaking me to do that, but if it doesn't line up with his word and what's in here, he's not speaking them, speaking Absolutely to them not. to do that, mm-hmm. and that. That's one thing to be careful for. And if I say that in one of my messages, I want you to be wary of it with me too. Uh, if it's not lining up with, with the Holy Bible and God's Word, it's, mm-hmm. it's not what they're, it's just something that they've come up with right. or something inside of them that's spoken daughter. it to him. Mm-hmm. And they will present themselves as God speaking to them. They're wolves in sheep clothing, they're, they're going to say everything, do everything right. But then there will be things they'll throw in there. So just be wary of that as you listen to people. And there are great men of God that are very well known. John MacArthur has been under the spotlight recently because he stood, stood tall in front of the California government mm-hmm. wanting to shut him down. Stephen Lawson's another, Paul Washer. These, sure. these are very uh, well-known preachers who preach with such, you know, to get me, you know, online. I'm not even there. And uh, when a pastor will bring, bring conviction, it's usually a good sign. Yes, it is. But, uh, as we wrap up, we want to thank Rick for coming and being on with us today. I know you preached the message this morning. Your mouth's probably dry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we want to thank you all for listening. Thank you for your support. Share us. Talk about us. Yeah, uh, and send us messages. Send Let us know us how we're doing. <laughs> And stay tuned, as I say every episode, you know. Uh, like I said last episode, I told you I wasn't lying. I told you we'd have a guest, and we were able to bring Pastor Rick on, and it was a blessing yeah. to have a guest like him on. And uh, we've got more lined up, you know. Yeah. We, me and Hunter's going to go to the, you know, back to the, the drawing board and find somebody great <laughs> and see who God puts on our heart and get them up here yeah. for you guys. So, and if you guys have questions you want us to cover, you just message us on Facebook or uh, if you know us personally, you can message us, and we'll try to get that together. Because if you've got a question, we want to answer it. So we thank you guys for listening, and uh, thank you for your support. Thank you.